Welcome to another impactful message from Cornerstone Church, where we truly believe there is one hope for every heart, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or view video of this sermon, visit us online at cornerstonerome.com. Let's, uh, let's open our Bibles this morning. We're going to continue on with this, this series that we're doing, and uh, we're going to talk today about looking to God. This is, I'm going to take some content from this every week. So if you're not in a group, you can get some of this, but there's no way, again, there's no way I'm going to cover even a remote, uh, small portion of what's in here. Not possible. It's just, there's way too much. It is meant for you to have a daily walk with God. So as we open up, uh, I'm going to take this scripture this week from Psalm 20 and verse 7. And uh, depending on what translation you have, it's going to read a little different. Some trust in, that's the way most read. Mine reads a little different, but uh, some boast in chariots. That's the word, the word that's used. Some boast in chariots and some in horses, but we will boast in the name of the Lord our God. The word boast is the word trust, but in this um, you understand the difference in the terminology with English. If I say the word trust, if I say some trust in chariots, the word trust means something different to you if I say some boast in chariots. Y'all, y'all get what I'm saying, right? The definition is a little bit different. If I say in God we trust and it's on our money, it, that means something a little bit different if I say we're dependent on our money, in God we boast. If I say in God we trust, every politician stands up and says in God we trust. They all do it. Every one of them. It's all just a part of our culture on one hand. But get one of them to say this to you. And God, I boast. That's a whole different conversation is going to be had if you say that. They're going to paint you a picture. They're going to call you something. You start saying, I boast in God. is more than I just trust in God. Anybody say, I trust in God. That's a cliche statement in America. But if you say, I boast in the Lord. In the name of the Lord, I fully, I am proud. I am I exalt the name of Jesus. You start saying that, you're radical a little bit. Everybody trusts in the Lord. But in this scripture, the reason that God puts this in here, the way that it is written to us, some boast in chariots and some in horses, but we will boast in the name of the Lord, is because the idea of trusting God and, and, and putting our faith in God is, is different in their, in their, as in Israel versus the surrounding people around them. They all had horses for war. But God had commanded them not to trust in this method to gain and to, to lead and to be strong. Don't trust in your, your, uh, your horses. That's what everybody else does. I want you to trust in me. Because if you acquire horses, like he told Solomon, you're not to do this. But he did it anyway. If you do this, you'll put your faith and trust in horses more than in me. And I want you to trust in me and watch me deliver you. And so when I was growing up as a kid, um, this image has always stuck in my head, I, um, I always thought about how do you have great faith in God? How do you trust God? How do you have faith in God? And all I could ever uh, get out of my mind or, you know, out of my head was this idea of this movie clip that I saw when I was a, a kid. And it was about, you know, having faith. And I thought that when you had faith in God, it was a, a big, big deal. Like one of those kind of big deals where it's all in or out and like, you know, do or die, like that kind of stuff. So in my mind, all I could get was this clip, and it's still st- stuck in my head. And I thought, well, maybe some of you might think the same way. So I thought, what if I showed you this to see what I think most of us think when we're going to trust God, I think this is what we think about. So let's look at this, and let's see if you think the same way that I do. So for me, that's what I would think. If I'm going to have faith in God, that was my thought. Like, you can't see a thing. It's, we don't know. But man, to trust God, you just got to just sink or swim, baby, you know. And maybe it's some of the influence of reading the things, the Gospels, reading about Peter and how, you know, he's supposed to walk in the water. I don't know, this kind of image just always is in my head about how do you trust God? Well, it's got to be crazy faith, man. And this phrase is used all throughout Christianity, well, at least here in our culture, probably I think it is, is this, this you got to have this leap of faith. You ever heard this before? You got, man, if you're really going to trust God, you got to have a leap of faith. You got to step out there, baby. And preachers, we're notorious for, for agging it on, man. Like, you know, we're, we're the worst, you know. Oh, man, if you're going to have faith, you got to believe, baby. You got to believe. It, you know, and it, it's like this whole idea that is if there's nothing at all there whatsoever, you're just going to look, ah, God, I hope you catch me because here I go, right? But the reality is, that's really not how the Lord is leading anyway. You really don't see that in Scripture. You don't really see great leaps of faith. You see steps, but you never really see great leaps. 
Look back and look at all your Bible verses that you love so much, your characters that you read about that you think are just, you know, your heroes of faith. Go back and read them and watch. Even with Jesus, if you look at how he started his ministry, it was steps. I mean, do you remember what happened? I mean, if it hadn't been for his mama, I don't think he would have turned the water into wine even. It was his mama's fault. She acted on like, you know, you need to get with it. It's time for you to start showing out a little bit. It's not my time. That's what he told her. She's like, "Uh uh-huh, whatever. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. She just walked like any mama would do. "Uh Uh-huh, no, we're doing it. What's he going to do? Disobey his mother? Then he's breaking one of the commandments. (laughs) So he's stuck. So Jesus has performed miracles, but he did it in steps. He didn't even want people to know it was him making all this stuff. He was very, very careful in how he approached and did his ministry. So and most of the times we're looking at these ideas of leaps of faith, and really it's more like steps of faith. And in your, in your experience of God, in your study, you're going to read some things called uh, we have to make adjustments to God and what God is doing, not ask God to join us. We're joining him. It's adjustments. Every single day, we're all making adjustments. Now, we, Haley and I learned a little bit of, well, I learned a little bit about adjustments. I don't know about her, the way this, this whole thing fell out this week. But we, so it was her birthday a couple, let's see, last uh, Friday. Yes, thank you. We, we went, let me give you an update on this. So we, uh, we went to help uh, some church planners last week. I told you about that. So um, out of all the couples, I think only one is, uh, one couple is going to be doing some extra stuff, getting ready, but all the rest went through. And so there'll be probably, I think, 11 maybe. Like 11, 12 couples, something like that. They'll be starting new churches in the next 6 to 18 months uh, throughout uh, somewhere in North America. So we got to be a part of that. So you got to be a part of that too. And man, thank you for praying for us and doing that. These guys are very excited. It's really, it's really exciting to see because let me, can I just give you a little bit of this side note, okay? It was very exciting to hear the content of their conversations. The majority of them were focusing back on the truth of God's word. They have this burden to proclaim the truth of God's word. No longer excited about lights anymore. Coffee's not a conversation anymore. Like, I mean, we have coffee, and it's cool. And, and the coffee that you drink out there, it goes and helps people. We just had a report that uh, two individuals got saved in Guatemala from just you guys drinking that coffee. It was a, it was a, a couple. They weren't married. They didn't have a little uh, water retention thing to help them with their dishes. So a guy, a local pastor there, got to know them. Helped them. They built through the Hope Coffee. They paid to help build this little co- this little water retention thing for them. So the two of them, young couple, they both get saved. They're not married. They both get saved, and then after they get saved, they begin to talk to the pastor. They decide they want to get married, so they get married. They come to Christ. They get married, and now they're serving Jesus. And listen, all because you drank some coffee from. Uh, it's pretty cool, man, right? So, but I think that's great because people, though, uh, from our, they're not talking anymore about coffee. The hot topic anymore in church growth and church isn't anymore about, well, you know, how cool can our sign be? It might be some places, but these guys were talking about, man, we got to preach the truth of God's word. We are concerned, and they're young people, and I love it. And that's, anyway, the side note. That was fun. That was cool. And we, so a week before that, Haley's birthday, we go out to eat in Marietta, and great food, had a good time. Just us, it was her birthday. We had a wonderful time. She says, I want to get some coffee. No problem, baby. We're going to pull into the devil's brew, man. Get a little, get a little Java there. Starbucks, that's who she is. Anyway, Starbucks, we go in there, get a little coffee. <laughs> and we're sitting there. I'm not making this. We are sitting there having, about to order the coffee. I roll down the window. I'm sitting there. When out of nowhere, out of nowhere, bam. I mean, somebody just hits us right in the back in a drive through now, had we been in my truck, I wouldn't have much cared so much. I mean, I got a big hitch on the back. It would have been the end of that little car. The radiator had a hole in it. But this is Haley's car. I thought, oh, man, you know, it's like all plastic and all that stuff. You know how this. Oh, and I'm sitting there, and this is no joke. Now, many of you guys know this. Like, you know, I had some, some stuff on my neck a while back. I was sitting there like, oh, man, man. I wasn't mad about the car. I was like, oh, I just got everything kind of straight. You know, I was feeling good. And she looks at me and is like, well, you, you go and take care of that. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to go on inside and get some coffee on it. <laughs> it gets better. It gets better. The local Starbucks employees have come out the back door. They have welcomed her with open arms. And I'm telling her, before she gets out, I'm like, she said, you all right? I said, no, my neck hurts, man. I'm like, I wasn't expecting me to drive through get pounded in the back, you know? 
She said, oh, you're fine. I'm going to go inside. Just take... I'm like, woman? I'm not... And my first thought was going through, my head was like, should I call somebody? I'm like, I, you know... Anyway, I get out, and this guy, he's distraught. He's very upset. I mean, he really is. And I was like, hey, man, you all right? Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Is everything all right? Yeah, yeah. He tells me you got new brakes and all this. I'm like, well, it seems like you got new brakes. It would help you stop, bro. Like, <laughs> you know, and I'm thinking, you know, my skepticism is way up, you know, a little more analysis. I chaplain with the city police. I, you know, man, I hear some stories, and I think, yeah, right. But, you know, I'm going with the thing. I said, hey, let's just pull around. We'll go over get your information. Let's talk. See how bad it is. You know, and thank God it just hit her little bumper plate. She's got a hitch, too, but it's hidden by cosmetic stuff. You know, they're trying to make it look cool. But So, thankfully, it's just that. Not a big deal. We get over there, though. I'm pulling up to the parking lot. We pull up beside each other. We're talking. He's, I say, hey, man, you all right? Yeah, yeah, we're good. All of a sudden, here comes Haley. She's out there. Like, with a, and I look over. She's got like a venti whatever that thing is. Coffee. But only one. And she walks over with her coffee. And she's so happy. And like, she's like, are you okay? To him, not to me. Are you okay? I can't even look at her. She knows this is all true. Are you okay, sir? And I'm looking at her like, what? what? I'm trying to deal with stuff here. And I'm like, where's my coffee? And she begins this process. She looks at me and says, honey, pray for him. I've got a really bad attitude right now. I'm telling you, I don't want to pray for him. I don't have any coffee. i got a hole in the back of the bumper, and my wife wants me to pray for this guy. I don't even know. Because if he hits somebody in the back end of a car, the drive, you know that. What? And then this guy, and he's going to tell him, his wife's sick. And my, like, my flag's up like, oh, yeah, right, okay. Just cry me a bucket full, you know. He says, I said, really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, she just had her appendix taken out. And he named the medical procedure, and I thought, well, you know, you just can't throw that out. That's pretty, that's pretty good. And I don't know, I forget what it's called. You take the thing out. You medical people know this. Yeah, there you go. So, um, and so anyway, she goes, well, would you call your wife? Let's pray for her while you're there. And I'm like, what are we doing? Like, I have no coffee, a bumper that's hit. And this guy, like, what are you, I don't, put her on the phone. Lo and behold, she's there. She's like, hey, babe, how you doing? He says, I'm here with Jody and Haley, and uh, they want to pray for you, babe. Oh, that'd be great. Now I'm going, like, don't I feel like the idiot, you know? <laughs> All right. So instead of her praying, you know what she does? Honey, why don't you pray for him? With no coffee, a bad attitude, and a hit car. Yeah, I'm going to pray. So I had to check myself really quick. Pray for them. You know, we go. We get in the car, and she literally says, what's wrong? I said, my neck really hurts. She goes, oh, does it really? I'm like, what? <laughs> and you have no coffee for me. I mean, what? She goes in there. They gave her her coffee for free. They felt so bad for her. So lo and behold, I talked to the guy, literally though, his wife just got out of the hospital. She's doing fine. And, and lo and behold, and he said, thank you for praying for us. Thank you for checking. And, you know, he's going to fix it, whatever. It's not that big a deal. But he said, we were able to come to my kid's volleyball game this weekend. You know, oh, you know. And I thought, here I am. I'm ready to just, like, stand the ground, baby. Like, hey, you hit my car. You know, what's the matter with you? This one over here gets all spiritual. I'm sure coffee helped. Let's just be honest. <laughs> but the point I'm saying to this is, like, God, you know, you have to make adjustments sometimes to what God's doing. Now, I didn't say God sent that guy to hit my car. That ain't what I'm saying. I don't believe that. But my response to him could have been different. And she was willing to make an adjustment faster than I was. But the point is, when God is doing stuff, God is willing to move. God wants to speak. And God wants to do some things in people's lives. Sometimes we have to make more adjustments than what we realize. And it's not always these huge leaps of faith. It's simple adjustments. Small things. It's not big stuff. Many times when we see people who do big things for God, we think, oh, man, they must have great faith. Well, Maybe it's that they've been doing small adjustments along their life, and that's what got them to the place where they're actually doing different things for God. Because you know this as well as I do. The scriptures that teach you that faithful is he who is trustworthy in small things. He will be a ruler over greater things. God doesn't put you over big stuff unless he can trust you with small stuff. And we had a pastor years ago when I you know, first started ministry. Uh, he would say all this all the time. I started out cleaning toilets. That's where I started. I didn't start out up here. 
And it always makes me, it always makes me a little nervous when I hear people wanting to do it. And the first thing they want to do is get up here. And I say, well, are you willing to lead a small group? No. That's not where I'm anointed at. Well, you ain't going to be anointed here either. I'll tell you that right now. Because I ain't, you ain't going to preach. Yeah, but, yeah, no, nothing. You're not, you're, you're not willing to, you're not willing. You just want to be in the light. And I'll tell you one thing about being here is this. It, it ain't about you. If he's not the one in the light, it's, I'm telling you right now, it's not about you. It's about him. If his light's not shining, it don't matter what you're doing. And the reality is this, when I started this, this, I heard this guy, he would say, if you can't treat, if you can't be faithful with the toilets that God has given you, he will never give you souls to entrust, entrust to you. And I remember times cleaning toilets that I did not want to clean toilets. I remember thinking, God, you called me to do ministry and here I am cleaning toilets. This is not what I'm supposed to be doing. My other friends, they're preaching, they're doing this and I'm cleaning toilets. I went to Bible college, and I'm giving my resume, you know, like, God, I did all this stuff for you. Where are you? Why am I cleaning toilets? It was one of the best things could ever happen in my life. Because I tell you what, you get real humble when you have to sit on your knee and clean a porcelain toilet that's not very clean. It, it's a humbling experience, I'm going to be honest with you, when you have to do what you have to do to make ends meet for your family. It's the only open door I had. Adjustment. I can guarantee you this, I wouldn't be doing anything near what I do right now. There's no way guys from a different denomination would ask us to go and help them with future church planners if I had would have refused to clean some toilets. There's no way. Adjustments. And so when we make these adjustments, it's important to ask the question, is what am I doing? Am I adjusting based on what I'm now aware of? Or am I, am I adjusting on what God is, is doing in my life? What am I doing it for? And so th- this is in your experience in God's study. I'm going to put this on the screen for you. This is the, the seven realities, okay? Just really quick. Uh, Joey got me this cool toy. I can't wait to use this. I've been, <laughs> I've been, I've been excited. Y'all probably wonder, what's he got a marker up there? No, it's a laser pointer. It's like, Joey's awesome, man. So look at that. Woo! Anyway, so this is God, right? But look, watch this right here. Adjustments right here, right? And most of the time we think, well, look where we got to go. We're just going to jump over here from what God wants to do. I'm going to adjust something and I'm going to take off. That's not really the way it works. If this right here isn't first, this right here doesn't happen. You're not going to hear God. Certainly not going to have this moment right here where you have to decide, am I really going to go in with God on this? And make the adjustment to move forward. It's got to be a relationship first. More than anything, I just want you. More than anything. There was this uh, song that used to be, um, we used to sing and we'd worship God. It's, it's a little bit older now, I think. Um, but um, uh, I think it was by Matt Redman. But he was, it was a song called, When the Music Fades, When All is Stripped Away. You heard this song before? You know what I'm talking about? When the music fades and all the strength and I just whatever, blah, blah, blah. I'm coming back to the heart of worship because it's all about you. And this is a guy who's well known, man. He's written more worship songs than you and I can even remember. Sings a song that says, it's all about you. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about him and that relationship. And so when we, when we want to make adjustments to God, the adjustment always belongs to us and never with God. Now watch, I'm, I, I, you say, well, wait a minute, how's it? Well, no, it's always with us. God, I want you to move in my family, okay? How are you responding to your spouse right now? When you're in your small group, now, you know I'm cutting up with Haley. I'm telling you, she would tell stories on me too. We cut up all the time like this. I give you, that's humor. But now, it'd be different if I started putting her down in front of y'all. Oh, and by the way, in case you're wondering, I'm okay. I, just, I know y'all are really worried about that. I could tell your concern. Yeah. All right, I stretched out. I've learned, talking about adjustments, I have learned, uh, man, if you have that stuff, you have to, I have stretches I do now. I, you, the adjustments have to be made on that too. But if, I were in a, if we're around a group of people, if I'm over here with this group right here and I'm with her, 
I'll tell you something. I don't care if she burnt my biscuits. I don't care if, you know, she would never do this because she's great with stuff. But I'm terrible with laundry. I throw it all in one load and just do it, whatever. But I don't care if it was like the commercial, like if all my stuff come out pink. I don't care if, you know, she accidentally ran into the backside of my car. I don't care if she... Whatever, broke, whatever. I don't care. It doesn't matter. I will, I am not going to sit in front of this group over here and sit here and dog her out in front of y'all. Because I got more respect for her than that. Now, we might have a conversation privately to deal with some stuff, but how you communicate with the people that you love is all on you. You're asking God to work in your family, but yet you can't respect them enough to talk nice about them to people. How's God going to interact with that? It's a tough thing, right? Because at some point it comes to us and says in Ephesians, husbands, watch this. Love your wives as Christ loves the church. It doesn't say husbands pray and ask God to move on your wife and make her get you know nicer to you. And that's not what it says. Right? Nowhere does it say that. Wives, treat your husbands with respect. It doesn't say pray for your husband so he won't watch that Super Bowl and along and help you do stuff at the house. It doesn't say that. And you're praying the wrong prayer anyway. That ain't going to happen. He's probably going to watch the game. But his adjustments on my end, every time I've ever been frustrated with her or something my kids do or something, any, I all, every single time, God, why don't you? It turns back to me. Well, why don't you? Adjustment starts here. It's never on God. Because remember, God is at the center of the Bible and he also should be at the center of our lives. So back to this horses thing, and why would God say we don't trust in horses? Because horses are a reference of strength, victory in the armies, and they all had around them had great trust in them. So let me throw you a couple of scriptures up here real quick for this, okay? Psalms 33 and verse 17, it says, A horse is a false hope for victory, nor does it deliver anyone by its great strength. A horse is a false sense of victory, nor does it deliver anyone by its great strength. Another verse in Proverbs 21, it says, The horse is prepared for the day of battle, but victory belongs to the Lord. This is what Solomon wrote. Because he had amassed all these horses. Even he knew, look, we have gotten to the point where we are trusting in these horses. And we're no longer trusting in God, but ultimately God has the victory. And it's easy, especially in our day today, it is easy to trust in our plans and what we do, what we have created, ourself, because we are in control. We do what we want, we go where we want, you know. It's kind of that Americana thing. But the moment I stop and ask God, where are you working, Lord? It changes from me being reliant on myself to God, okay, I'm going to trust you. Where are you working, God? I'm going to join with you in what you're doing. Watch this. I no longer have control, and it's no longer about self. And this is what, in your thing, you're going to read about this this week. This is the difference between a God-centered life and a self-centered life. Now, you ever been around some self-centered people? course you have don't look at them right now if they're in the room just <laughs> straight ahead man <laughs> but self-centered versus god-centered there's a difference now let me show you this real quick this is in your book you can read this later i'm not gonna go through all this but look at the difference here's a couple of thoughts a self-centered life on this side it's focused on self proud of self self succumb always talking about self 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 right but also looks at things from a kind of a human perspective you know, it's kind of like, we're not careful, but sometimes we say things like, well, you know, I worked really hard this week and I was able to, before you know it, that's self-centered. That's giving yourself more glory than God. What's the difference between, well, I worked really hard this week and I was able to do this versus, you know, I worked really hard this week and God was able to help me and God blessed what I did and through the Lord, he did this. It's small adjustment, small adjustment. A God-centered life, look at some of these. They place confidence in God, seeks first the kingdom, denies self. I think those two things might be the most interesting. This guy over here, a gal over here, denies self. This one over here, affirms self. Now, I'm going to show you, you might think right now, I'm going to get into some stuff like, well, yeah, you know, yeah, I know all about those kind of people. Well, you, you might be thinking wrong. Because it's easier than you think to focus on self. Rick Warren wrote a book called The Purpose Driven Life. I don't know if you've ever read this great book. Uh, Outside the Bible, I think it's the next most 
sold book in the world. I think it's kind of crazy. But this is the question he asks, what on earth am I here for? What on earth am I here for? And the idea, if you're not careful, it can pull you into a self-centered thought process. What am I here for? But Rick, that's not why he wrote it. He wrote it to put the eyes back on Jesus. I'm not here for me. I'm here for him. But if we're not careful, what am I here for can turn into it's about me. And this, this idea of looking to God, again, is God-centered, not self-centered. So let me throw out a couple of thoughts to you, okay? Then we're going to look at Moses. The question we ask, God, show me what to do, or God, would you show me what to do, versus, God, what are you doing? It's a small adjustment. But it, when you ask that question, watch. God, show me what to do. It's, it's still about us. God, show me what you want me to do. It's, it's a lot of you in that, right? Versus, God, what are you doing? Because I want to join with you in what you're doing. Two separate thought processes. And it all starts with God's purposes and not our plans anyway. So let's look at a couple of thoughts on this, okay? This is the people of Israel. So we'll go to Psalm 81. This is the people of Israel. We'll go to Psalm 81 and verse 10, okay? They were following God and they turned from God. So when I read some of these verses I'm about to read to you, and I want to put them on the screen for you, but you need to probably write them down because I'm going to go kind of quick through this. Um, these individuals are not people who did not know God. I want to make that really clear right now. What I'm about to read to you is not a context from ideas of people who were a Gentile nation that had just far removed themselves from God. These were people who had a knowledge of God. They understood God, but they refused to follow God. Okay, so look, look at Psalm 81 verse 10. He says, I am the Lord. I am your God. Who brought you up from the land of Egypt? Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. But, verse 11, but my people did not listen to my voice. And Israel did not obey me. So, I gave them over to the stubbornness of their heart to walk in their own devices. Self. Now, I am of the persuasion, a theological persuasion, that I have a hard time with reconciling certain things that go on in the world. Uh, for instance, what just happened in Turkey with that massive earthquake. Uh, so we have uh, one of our missionaries, uh, Global Missions Partners, uh, Tim and Carolyn. They're not there, thank God. But they have partners who are. And they've not heard from them. Now, you can be praying for that. I have a hard time when people say things like, well, God caused that earthquake because of the idolatry in that nation. I don't have a problem with hearing you say there's idolatry in the nation. But listen, guys, I'm going to tell you something. There's idolatry in our nation. It's bad. And so it's hard for me. Can I just be, can I be honest with you right now? I'm just, I'm not, I'm not trying to pre, I'm just being real. I'm just going to have a conversation with you right now about it. it's hard for me to reconcile sometimes this idea of God sending judgment on a nation when there are Christians in a nation, I have a, I have a belief that kind of like Abraham, God, will you destroy the righteous with the unrighteous? Let it not be so Lord. And it seems like God would remove them, you know, in those situations for me, I, it's hard for me. I'm just being honest. It's hard for me. Haley and I watched, I was showing her, we watched on TV, the, the, the world series It's back in the eighties when earthquake hit at Candlestick Park. And I was like, man, I remember watching as a kid, watching this live and that happened live. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen, man. I couldn't believe it. And then hearing the stories about people that died on that bridge when it collapsed. Kids orphaned. People, I can't, it, I can't, I have a hard time reconciling that God sends earthquakes and kills the righteous with the unrighteous. I have a hard time with that. Okay, so that being said, I'm just, I struggle with that. Can I just be, can I say that in this church? Can I, can I just be real with you? I don't have an answer for that for you. I just, I struggle with that. Because I'm a daddy and I love my girls. And if you think for one minute, may I discipline them? Yeah, I'll discipline them all day long. But if I'm a, I would never, them are my babies. If anybody's going to take the pain, I'm going to take it to keep them from getting it. I wouldn't dare want them to be hurt or injured. That's a daddy. Now, on the other side, let's, let's talk about it. Is it not true that all throughout the Bible when idolatry was rampant, 
when sin was rampant. When things were so bad, God warned, God warned, God warned, God warned. And the people just would reject, reject, reject. Eventually, did he not turn them over to their own devices and calamity and problems happened? It did. And many times, though, when you see this happen, it was um, they were in bondage to another nation. Now, you may think, well, that wouldn't happen to us. But I don't know. You can do with that what you want. You can think about that how you want. If your Americana exceeds the, the, the idea of God and what he's always shown in Scripture, you might want to check your stuff. Because America's not immune. Not immune at all. Um, anyway, why did I say that? Because this idea comes, when we see this, we think, well, yeah, but they were brought out of Egypt. We weren't. But we were. Your Egypt wasn't the country, but your Egypt was sin. You were in bondage in slavery to sin, born into sin. You were completely and totally deprived and in bondage to Satan, the God of this world. So when he brought you out into his kingdom, he did bring you out with a strong and mighty hand, just as great and strong, stronger than the crossing of the Red Sea. But the reality is this, when we don't understand that and we forget what he did for us, it's easy to get into self. If I ever stop and forget, one minute, look what Jesus did for me. My kids ask me sometimes different questions, and I tell them, I have to stop for a minute and go, no, I'm not doing this because I'm a whatever, pastor, I do this. No, it's for the kingdom because I love Jesus. We don't go to church, baby, because I'm a pastor. Because it's my job. That's not why we go. I go to church if I wasn't a pastor. Because I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Christ. He died for me. He asked me to be a part of his, his, his gathering of worship. Give him worship. I'm going to come and worship Jesus. Because if I don't, you know what that is? I get into self real quick. Now, I don't know about you. Y'all look like y'all some angelic people. Like, I mean, y'all, halos are all over your head and everything. Like, y'all like, y'all would never have issues with self. But let me, this, this brother right here, oh, 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 I can get selfish real quick, man. Just throw out some good chocolate cake that's delicious. Uh-uh, man, like, I'm gonna like, let's take a slice. We got a big family. Maybe not as big as some of y'all. Jason over here, like, you know, he, he's, you know, he's got a few extras, so I don't know how you do it, brother, but if there's chocolate cake and you know there's only so many pieces left, slice a little bit, Tuck it away, stick it maybe over here in the back of the fridge, because otherwise I ain't going to get any cake. They're like gremlins. they just eating it all up. I can get selfish real quick if I don't put him and remember what he did for me. And in the Bible, this is still happening today, guys. Watch this, Romans real quick. Romans 1.18, I'll put this on the screen for you. And this whole chapter is all about this context. I don't have time to read all that, but watch this. They left the thing they knew about God. Romans chapter 1 verse 18 says, uh, I'm sorry, let me go to verse 24. Therefore, because of their unwillingness to follow God, therefore God gave them over in the lust of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God. They knew better. This was not people who had never been through experiencing God. Listen, bro, they had been through experiencing God 20 times over. They knew all the stuff. They were leading small groups. They were people of faith. These were not people uneducated about God. But it says they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. For a lie. And it, I, see, okay, I got a little time. Man, listen, people of faith are falling for stuff left and right. They are exchanging the truth for a lie. And I'm just, I'm pleading with you this morning just to hear a guy, I'm not an old preacher, but my, I'm trying not to be too loud. But please hear me. Please don't fall into the trap that the enemy is setting for so many people of faith. And because you're afraid it's going to hurt somebody's feelings, or because you're afraid it's going to be contrary to the culture around you, you give in and compromise your faith. Because when you do that, it says, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And watch, they worshiped. And they serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. You go and read more about that. They began to worship animals, the four different types of flesh. Animals, birds, fish, and humans, four different types of flesh in the Bible. They worshiped all of it. All you have to do is go back and look at a few cultures, not even ours. Look, go back and look at Greece, look at Rome. 
Just take a little bit of time and you will see idolatry. Where did that come from? Because they left the truth. And they began to go from worshiping the creator to the created. And listen, I like music. Don't get me wrong. I love music, so I'm not, you know, I don't care what you, whatever. You do what you want to do. I just say, if it's dishonoring God, I wouldn't listen to it. But I love music too. But can we just be honest? At the moment when an artist is getting more of this, and to the point where they are doing this, and to the point where I didn't see it, but somebody told me about it, they're worshiping humans on a platform. Can we just all agree there might have been a line crossed somewhere back there? Just somewhere. I mean, you listen to who you want to. I don't care. What is, that, what is that a sign of? That's a sign of our nation saying, we well, believe in this. We're going, we're going with that. Timothy, Paul told Timothy, watch this, 2 Timothy 3. He said, I'll put this on the screen for you too. <clears throat> but 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3 and verse 1. He says, <clears throat> but realize this, guys. Now, if you're younger in here, when I say younger, you would know you're younger. Okay, whatever. If you're... If, if, if you're if you're going, well, I think I am, you're not. Okay, I'm sorry. But if you're younger, you know you are. But I heard this stuff growing up. Can I just be I heard this growing up as a kid all the time. And I always thought, well, man, this must be it. it it's not necessarily that. This is it. It's an indicator. It's like driving down the road in your car and the, the thing goes, ding, you need fuel. It means slow down, go get some fuel. Be aware of what's going on around you. All right. So Paul tells Timothy, 2 Timothy 3, verse 1, but realize this, that in the last days, indicator, is this the last day? No, I didn't say that. Last days? Yeah. And it could be for the whole world, but it could be for nations. Some nations fail and others didn't. So, so I, you know, it's, the word of God's always true. It's always present. It's never just for the past or the future. It's always relative for today. So he says this, but realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. So have you experienced any difficult times? I would say you have never in your lifetime had a pandemic. Never. This would be your first. Now, they'd had them 100 years ago, and they've had them in history before. But that was kind of difficult. I don't think you've ever in your lifetime. My kids were asking me the other day about some of the stuff in, in our government with finance. You've never in your lifetime seen the amount of debt a nation's had like you've seen right now. You may think it's not a big deal. I, hey. At some point, you've got to pay your bills. You've never seen that before. Well, what I'm saying this to you for is in the last days, difficult times will come. Watch this. Why? First reason on the list. Can we look at it together? For men, ladies, I guess you get a pass. For men <laughs> will be lovers of themselves. Can we just all agree, people? We're all that way. This is one of those adjustment moments right here, guys, as Christians. It's either A, we believe this or we disregard it, but, but nonetheless, this is where it starts. For men will be lovers of selves. What else are they going to love? They're going to love their money. They'll be boastful, arrogant, revilers. Uh, revilers is like a, not a brawler, but kind of like a brawler, very like, you know, always in your face kind of stuff. Disobedient to parents. Disobedient to parents disobedient to parents, like just, just to hear that. I want to say that because sometimes we think like, hey man, listen to this, kids, all you got is two commandments, that's it. Obey your father and mother, that it might go well with you. That God only asks you to listen to your parents for now, that's it. What an awesome thing, like that's all you got to do. <laughs> but the reality is, that's in there for why, to remind us, uh, and, and that's not just for young kids, that's for, as you get older, respect your mom and dad, all right? Now, you don't have to do everything they say if they're telling you to paint your house green. You don't have to paint your house green, but you can respect your parents and still, you know. Okay, gotcha. This will be the parents ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control. There it is again, interesting. They're brutal. They're haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Now, here's the thing that got me, like, when I read this. They hold to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. Avoid such men as these. To me, it's like, I know I might get in trouble for saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway and just let the chips fall where they may. 
But I just am tired of hearing people get up and say how good God is. Take the trophy and then F-U-C-K right there on the screen. I'm serious. Can I just be honest? I mean, hey, you're going to hear it on the Super Bowl anyway because they put it right in front of every player and coach's mouth now. And just zoom in on it so you can see that word. I'm sorry. If, if God is God, if I'm going to sit up there and say, I love God and take the trophy, I don't get a pass to turn on this side and just use language like that. At some point, there's something not right about this. It's not right as governmental leaders to stand up and say, God bless America, and then pass laws that go against everything that God stands for. At some point, reconciliation must happen. I'm just telling you right now, I'm just going to be straight up with you right now. It never starts up there in Capitol Hill. It never starts in our schoolhouses. It doesn't start with any of that. You know where it starts? Judgment begins where? In the house of God. And it's good to point. It, we can say, well, they're doing this. I'm telling you, but at some point, I, Jody's got to look at self and say, am I? Or am I just looking at them? Am I? adjusting my life to what God is doing and what God wants, or am I just looking at what they're doing? What I said is true. It drives me nuts. I just wish they wouldn't even use God's name. Take the trophy, party, do whatever. That's great. Be you. But don't put God in there, and then you come up there half-dressed with stuff hanging out everywhere and telling me that God loves you and God helped you and God helped you write this song, and you... Say things that go against everything that God is. There's somehow that's not right. And I'm just saying that why? Because Paul told Timothy, it, this is where, this selfishness is where it starts. So for us, am I self-centered or God-centered? I don't think any of us fall into that category. I'm being honest with you. I don't think any of you fall into this category I just labeled. I don't. I don't think any of you are in that category where you would take the trophy and then use God's name in vain. I don't think that at all. For us, though, I think we fall into more of Moses' category. And in Exodus chapter 3, this is the part that, as I was reading this, man, I thought, wow. How true this is. Not, not for you. Again, you're fine. I'm doing an evaluation on me, Okay. Exodus chapter 3 and verse 1. Let's read this to give a little backdrop to the story. Because the question would be this morning is how can we look to God and keep him at the center of our lives more than self and not fall in this trap that these other individuals did? Well, Exodus 3 tells us in verse 1. Uh, now Moses was pasturing the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush, and he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. So Moses said, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous light, why the bush is not burned up. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, now God was doing stuff. Moses wasn't. God's always working and doing stuff. He's just asking us to what? Let's go join with him. But the moment God sees Moses turn aside, he calls to him from the midst of the bush and says, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. And he says, do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet for the place in which you are standing is holy ground. But Moses had to adjust his life at that moment, whether to take his shoes off or not. And this is significant for this time only. We think sometimes, well, we got to take our shoes off for holy ground. It, this is significant for right here. Now listen, if your little shrub at your house starts catching on fire and God talks to you through it, then take your shoes off. I don't know. All right. But for Moses, this was a pretty big deal. Because God was saying, if you're going to approach me, first of all, you're going to let go of some stuff first of you. But Moses afterwards, he's all in. But I want you to hear these next few verses I'm going to put up on the screen for you. And you can read all of chapter 3, but I'm just going to take out a few that jumped out to me. And I thought, ooh. Am I the only one that's ever read this and thought, ah, I might have done this? He comes to the burning bush. He's going to go with God and his plan. God lays it out. I want you to deliver my people from Egypt. And then Moses starts in with this, verse 10, chapter 3. 
Therefore come now and I will send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. Verse 11. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? See, God said, I'm ready. I'm ready to rock this. We're going to do this thing. I just need somebody to go with me. Who am I? Verse 13, he says this. Then Moses says to God, behold, I'm going to the sons of Israel and I will say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? Exodus chapter four and verse one. Then Moses said to the Lord, what if they will not believe me or listen to what I say? For they may say, the Lord has not appeared to you. Verse 10. Then Moses said to the Lord, please, Lord. It's like his final one. Please, Lord, I have never been eloquent. Neither recently, <laughs> I guess I don't know if he had like, you know, Babel or, you know, Rosetta Stone. I don't know what he's working on, but I guess he's been working on his speech. Neither recently nor in times past, nor since you have spoken to your servant. For I am slow of speech and I am slow of tongue. And all of these verses, have you noticed a common theme? Ah. God's ready to do stuff. God wants to do stuff. But what does Moses keep saying? I can't talk good. I'm not qualified. I don't know that they will listen to me. I'm not sure that plan will work. I can't believe you're going to ask me to talk to my neighbor. I'm not a preacher. You want me to do what? At school, you want me to ask my friend to come with me to church? I don't think... How many, have you guys ever done this? We, we all have. And in these statements, this common theme of I, it shows up so much that we forget we fall in the same trap sometimes. God, I, I can't. I can't lead a small group. Why can't you? Let's, let's hear the answer. Why? I can't. Okay? But God's moving. Why? I can't, I can't, I can't give, Pastor. I don't, I can't give money. Why? You just don't understand. If you ask anybody who gives to the Lord, I think everyone would say to you, we all understand. I know it's a sacrifice, but what do you, how, what do we say? What's our answer? All right, let's keep going further. What else? Um, you know, God, I can't sing. I can't sing. No, you can sing. You don't want to sing. No, I can't, I can't play an instrument. No, you can play, you just don't. You see what I'm saying? I, well, yeah, but I, I can't do outreach. God, I, can't, I can't fly on airplanes. Why? Who, can I ask you a question? Who told you you can't? Who told you this? Who told you that? See, God's always saying you can Always. The devil's the one that comes alongside and says, yeah, you can't do that. You're right. He'll, he will agree with you immediately. You're right. You can't do it. God would say, I don't need your ability in this. I just need your agreement with me in this, and I'll come alongside you and help you get it done. Amen. But it starts with us agreeing with God to do what it is God's asking us to do. Let me ask you a question. What would the conversation look like if we changed that one letter from I to I will? God, I will join a small group. God, I will lead a small group. God, will you help me manage my time? Instead of saying I can't do that, God, I will help me manage my time. God, I will be generous with the resources you've given me. Lord, help me to steward them well. God, I will. All right, I can sing, Lord. I will. Help me with the nerves. God, I'll play. I'll do it. I'll do it. Help me, Lord, with, with the practice. God, I'll do outreach. I'll fly on an airplane. Okay, God, if that's what you want me to do, I'll do it. Help me, God, to not be afraid. You see the difference in the positioning? The positioning for one is saying, God, I will do this. I'm scared out of my mind, though. There's nothing wrong with acknowledging it. God, I'm afraid. If I do this, this is going to happen. Hey, uh-huh. 
Thank you for taking a step and just at least saying, I will. Because God is only looking for some people who would just accept and adjust their lives to what he wants to do. And watch this. The beautiful thing about this is you're never the one going first. He is. Every single time in the Bible, he's always gone before you. You'll never go first with God. Never. He always goes before you. And uh, First John 4, now I'll put these up there real quick for you so we can wrap up. First John four nineteen it says, why do we love? Because he first loved us. So when he tells you to love your enemies that you don't really like a whole lot, it's not fair, it's not right, understand this, he had enemies too. And his enemies scourged him. They beat him. They flogged him. Brutally, beyond anything you can even imagine, he was able to go through that. You can probably handle a few things. What about Revelation 3, 2? Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and I will dine with him and he with me. Let me tell you something. You're not even, anytime you think you're coming to communicate with God, guess what? He's already there. He's at the door. He's the only reason right now you even want to talk to God is because he's been doing this all morning. And he's like one of those like, you know, the neighborhood kid that won't stop. Ding dong, ding dong, ding dong. And you find, why do you want? I'm just here selling cookies, sir. Would you buy some cookies? Or whatever he does, you know. I not to diminish Jesus, but he is like, he will not stop. If you got one of those rings, he stands there. Bing, bing, bing. You're like, there's Jesus. Oh, yes, Lord. You think it's you wanting to talk to him, but I'm telling you right now, he's at your door every single morning just waiting for a conversation with you. Pour you a cup of coffee, get your eyelids open and say, hey, good morning, Lord. He's going to say, uh uh-huh, it is good morning. Been up waiting on you. He's, you're never waking him up. He's always there waiting for us. And that's what I love. He always goes first. He's never, never going to be second with you. So if you step out and you feel like, oh, it's a step of faith, Lord. It's a step of faith. Just understand. He goes, "Uh uh-huh. I got five more down the road for you right now. I'm just waiting for you to take the first one. I got you. I got you, man. I'm not going to let you fail. And I'm not going to disappoint you. The scripture, one of my favorite scriptures, man, throughout the scriptures that, that talks about the Lord's faithfulness. He says, I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his children begging for bread. He is faithful to do that which he has promised. So as we wrap up today, can I just uh, read something to you from, if you didn't get one of these books, uh, I encourage you to go get one, join a small group. But I want to read something to you. This is a guy by the name of George Mueller. Uh, my wife could probably give you a lot more history on this. I'm just reading about him. She's way more into history than I, than I am. And some of these things, she knows a lot more about Christian heritage and history. But um, this guy, George Mueller, um, interesting character. He's a minister in England in the 19th century. He was concerned that people had become discouraged, right? They no longer expected God to do anything unusual in their midst, and they were not trusting God to answer their prayers. So they had very little faith. So God led Mueller to pray. And Mueller's prayers were for God to lead him to a work that people could only explain as an act of God. Mueller wanted people to learn that God was a faithful prayer-answering God. He discovered uh, Psalm 81, verse 10, which you know, we quoted a while ago. <clears throat> Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. So God led him in a walk of faith that became an outstanding testimony of faith to all who heard his story. Whenever Mueller had a need in his life or ministry, he would pray to God about it but tell no one else. He wanted everyone to know that God had provided for the need and answered a prayer in faith. And during his ministry in Bristol, Mueller started the Scriptural Knowledge Institute for the distribution of Scripture and for the religious education. He also began an orphanage. Now, did I tell you again uh, what year this was in? Let's see, let me back up. 19th century. This is going back a while. Listen to these numbers. By the time of Mueller's death, God had used him to build four orphan houses that cared for 2,000 children at a time. The orphanages had provided for more than 10,000 children. He had distributed more than $8 million that had been given to him in answer to prayer. Yet when he died at 93, his own worldly possessions were valued at $800. The interesting thing about this, when they asked, when they were studying how did he do this, these are some of the things he said about trying to hear from God and about how to follow God and adjusting to what God is doing. He said, I never remember a period that I ever sincerely and patiently sought to know the will of God by the teaching of the Holy Ghost through the instrumentality of the Word of God, but I have been always directed rightly. But if honesty of heart 
and uprightness before God were lacking, or if I did not patiently wait upon God for instruction, or if I preferred the counsel of my fellow men to the declarations of the word of the living God, I made great mistakes. Interesting, right? He goes on to talk about a number of different ways of how he sought God. I would encourage you to go read more about this. And most of the thing he said was most of the time, nine-tenths of the time, I thought was an interesting term he used, <laughs> nine-tenths of the time, the problem with us not adjusting to what God is doing is just self. Our just heart's just not in it, you know? We just, stuff's got our attention. And so this morning as we close, I want to ask you a couple of questions this morning. These are just questions I want to ask you, okay? I'll put them on the screen for you, and we're going to pray for you, okay? Number one, let me ask you this right now. If you were to look around your environment, where you are right now, where is God at work? Where is God at work? Just, just take this week and look around you. I'm not asking you to try to come up with something. That's hard. Where is God at work? Maybe he's with a coworker right now. Maybe some guy shows up. Like I said, I'm not saying God caused me to hit my car. Maybe he needed prayer. Maybe he was obviously distraught and upset. He just went to get coffee for his wife, and then now on top of that, he's got to deal with this. He's obviously very upset. So instead of being like I was, ready to, hey, let's deal with this situation, the right path would be to do what Haley did and say, can we pray for you and your wife? It's a simple adjustment, but can I ask you this? Would you look around this week and ask, God, where are you working? Is, it, is there a coworker? Is it my my school? Is it my family? What? God, looking around, where, where are you working right now? My small group? Is it? Here's another good question. How can I join him in what he's doing? Instead of coming up with an idea of like my own that says, okay, this is what I want to do for God. What if we just find something he's doing and then you said, all right, God, how can I join in what you're doing? Good question. You know, can I just encourage you right now? The reason we're doing this is we really felt strongly that we wanted to regroup after this nutto couple of years, get some foundations again on hearing from the Lord. You know, as a pastor, I get 20 ideas a week. It's nothing wrong with it, but probably different things that people want to do. Well, I can't do all that. I can't. And some of them are great ideas. But are they God ideas? Is God working here? How can I join him? Here's another question. What do I need to adjust to make this happen? Is it my schedule? Is it my finances? Is it my attitude? My prayer life? Maybe my own plans, even. What do I need to adjust? Let's go. The last question this morning is this, the most important one. I'll just ask you to close your eyes just for a moment for this one here. If I were to ask you, what is the Holy Spirit saying to me? Could you, would you know what he's saying to you right now? Just right where you are. Just take a moment, just close your eyes, bow your head. I'm going to pray for you. We're going we're to get out of here in just a second. You get plenty of time to get your wings, get whatever else you want. Get ready for the game. You have all that time. But more than anything, more than anything, what would the Holy Spirit be speaking to you right now? And whatever just popped in your head, I mean, you may be sitting there going like, man, I just can't quit thinking about my kid. Well, okay. Maybe pick up a phone call. Maybe pray for him. If it's a relationship that's broken and you say, man, I, I, they have no, we have no conversation. They don't, it, you don't understand what happened. Okay, but God does. So may not, just pray for him. Maybe get some of the prayer team to pray for him today before you leave. I don't, I don't know, but just because a relationship's broken now doesn't mean it's always going to be broken. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's a spouse or maybe it's your neighborhood. 
Maybe it's a school. Maybe it's a nation. Maybe you're sitting there thinking like, you know, God, why am I even thinking about this part of the city? What, why do you keep bringing this to my attention? Maybe God's want to do something there. He just needs somebody to join with him in what he's kind of already moving on. So whatever the Holy Spirit's saying to you right now, just keep that right there in your heart and your mind. I'm going to pray for you. And I want you to take a moment here and just make some adjustments. All of us in this room, just take a moment just to, you know, as Rick Warren said, what, what on earth am I here for? Am I going to finish a career and, and do real well in that and have this to show for it? Or am I going to I'm going to do this in my house, and then I can show that. Am I going to have a car and do that? At some point, what in all these different things that we do is God in any of it? Like, where is God? There's nothing wrong with having any of those things, but God, where are you moving, and where are you working, and how can I join you? So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I just ask you to touch our hearts this morning. Lord, in the name of Jesus, you are always doing things around us. You're always working, and you're always moving. God, your Holy Spirit has never stopped moving. You are always present and moving and speaking and trying to do the work that you have called us all to do. So, God, I thank you right now that in your working, God, and where you're at and the parts that you're doing, I pray in Jesus' name that you would help each one of us in this room make the adjustments that are necessary to follow you. God, whatever it is, whatever it is that you've called us to, I pray in Jesus' name, God, we'd hear from your your word and make the adjustment in our heart this morning. And I just feel like, God, the word that you give us in your scripture, that some trust in horses, some trust in chariots, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Lord, whatever it is we've got our faith in right now that's not you, I just pray you'd help us all adjust our lives and join our faith and trust in you first. First, God. And everything else gets second, second place. And Lord, if there's anybody here this morning that doesn't know you, I pray today that they would receive you. If they're watching online and broadcast, I pray in Jesus' name, they would accept you as their Savior right now. So with your eyes closed, no one looking around right now, just going to pray for you. If you're here and you say, I don't know Jesus, but I've, I, I want to pray and receive Christ as my Savior, we're going to pray for you right now. The whole church is going to pray together. You won't be by yourself. If you're watching on broadcast right now, just pray this with us together. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you today. And I give you my life. I give you my heart. And I give you everything. Lord Jesus, I receive you as my Savior. And I ask you to forgive me of everything. And I thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Man, if you prayed that prayer, we're so proud of you. Right, church, give me a hand, would you? So... We'll put it on the screen for you if you prayed that prayer. If you're here with a guest with us and check out the church, if you go to connect.cornerstonerome.com or the seat back in front of you, there's little cards you can fill out and drop them off in the offering box on your way out the door. If you want to go digital, it's a lot faster. Just boom, 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 it's done. That way, connect.cornerstonerome.com. And uh, we'll help you get started walking with God. We'll help you get into a small group. We'll find something out there for you. And again, like I said, if, you're, if you feel like, man, I, I didn't get in the group I wanted or whatever, maybe God is saying, Start one. I mean, at this point, you don't—you really don't need. You know, we'd love you to do it with us, but if it's not part of you, are like, "Well, I just don't have the time to do this and that and other." But I'm just going to do one. Well, do it. I'd rather you be a part. I'd rather you do a group and be a part of one than say, "Well, I just you know I can't figure out how to make it work in my schedule." Find one that does. Maybe work a swing shift or whatever. Figure it out. But but I just want to encourage you in that. Um, one thing I'll just say. Uh, as far as that, when you join a group or lead a group, I just want to encourage you to not try to rush through this. Take it day, to, day by day. If you miss a day, just move on. If you want to go back the next day and do it, do it. But don't feel the, it's not about trying to finish something. This is about you hearing from God. That's what we want. So this morning, I want you to stand with me together this morning. I'm going to ask our prayer ministry team to come down front. And I just felt like, you know, maybe you're here um, and you need prayer for something that we didn't cover. Specifically, maybe you got a family member or something, a relationship. I don't know why. I just felt like as we were talking, I felt kind of that was a, a thing there. I mean, I, I understand enough about, you know, dysfunctional family dynamics, okay? 
um, with my dad. I, I know what it's like to have a very jacked up relationship with your, your dad or maybe it's something else with you. I don't know. Maybe it's a sibling. I just know. I just feel like maybe there's some of you here that you have a relationship issue going on and um, maybe God wants to do something in it and you've tried to fix it and it's not worked for you. Like you keep trying and trying and it's not getting better. Actually, it might feel like it's getting worse. Um, but it might be with a kid. It might be with a parent. It might be a friend. I don't know. I don't know. I just felt like there's somebody here. You need, you need some prayer. And if I'm wrong, hey, so be it. But these individuals are down here. They love to pray with you. Don't leave today without getting an opportunity, you know, and just ask God to help intervene with that. He can do more behind the scenes than you and I can, you know, trying to work it out together, okay? And one last thing I'll say before I let you go. Uh, thank you for being generous. Uh, you can give at uh, give.cornerstonerome.com. Thank you for that. Um, we uh, plan to schedule, hopefully in the next, we're working on our, our plumber. Great guys, they came out. So our first quote to fix this out there was ten grand, approximately. A lot of money to fix a stinking water pipe. But hey, the way they come out with a different plan now is going to be right at six. So that's a huge savings. Thank Jesus for that. That's nice. So just encourage you. Thank you for being generous. Thank you for giving. And we're probably going to schedule that out in the next couple of weeks once they get, you know, the time and, and, and we're, we're banking that up there. So um, just want to say thanks for giving. Thanks for being a part of this and the church and what we do. And uh, stuff's on the screen on how to do that. So before you leave, uh, let me speak this over your life in Numbers chapter 6 and verse 24. Uh, the scriptures say this, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and may give you his peace. God bless you guys so much. Have a wonderful night. Enjoy the game. Eat a lot of chicken wings and have a good night. If today's message blessed you, we want to encourage you to take a moment and share this podcast with a friend. Remember, there's one hope for every heart, and that's Jesus. See you next time.